Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number three and i hate to do it to him but based on the transfer fee the federico bernardeschi episode he's got spike and wendy at home i i think we can safely say that it's been a little bit of a disappointment for the first fetty from florentina to sign with juventus the last couple years it's been a struggle so speaking of struggles juventus uh, we're going to be in a much different mood than last week and that is because Juventus's game against Inter in the Derby d'Italia went uh, not so great. So first, before I start ranting and raving about Juventus's last game, let me bring in the usual crew here as we wait for Chucks to get unfrozen. We've got Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. And this is the second week in a row that I'm a little disappointed about the about the the number. I was I was hoping for Evra. Mainly because I just wanted to talk about those videos that he would make with the panda suit. Yes. Like those were those were fun. Those were very good. <laughs> and he gave Mario Mandzukic his name. Yes. Yes. And unfortunately now we get to see Mario Mandzukic as an AC Milan player. So I have the sad. Have the sad. And we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always. Less happy to be here in the current circumstances, but, you know, <laughs> nevertheless, always good to, to say hi to you, fellas. I was about to say, you you uh, you can't can't be all that happy knowing what happened yesterday. 
circumstances are, circumstances are not great, but you know, always, always happy to do a pod with you guys. And we've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hello. Pardon the uh, technical problems. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my Zoom just crashed, but I'm back. Unlike Juventus, because we went backwards, I guess. Well, forwards and then backwards and so on and so forth. And rinse and repeat as we've done many a times this season. So I usually take notes on what we're going to talk about before we get going here on the podcast. And honestly, the first note that I have here, and I'm going to have to edit myself, but in terms of yesterday's game, what the f***, man? I mean, we're, we're looking for Juventus to make a, make a statement or make, continue to on this trend of, of successful January results. And they just laid an absolute leg against Inter and Chucks. You were, you were kind of hesitant after the Milan win to be like, hold on, let's not get too carried away with this one. And lo and behold, Chucks was right. I don't enjoy being right. <laughs> I mean, in this case, obviously. I mean, obviously. I don't. In case anybody was wondering, I don't enjoy being right in this situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty grim. So as I said before uh, we started recording, I didn't actually uh, watch the game. I had a family event to attend. Uh, uh, contrary to popular belief, I do have a life. Um, but I read a match recap and just obviously caught some of the general sentiments uh, behind the game and yeah, I mean, it sounded like some pretty grim, grim watching, really. And you know, it's funny. I, with with regards to your to your comment about my comment after the Milan uh, game, I try to avoid something called outcome bias, which is basically where you judge how good a result is, or how good a decision is, rather, or just in general, a result based on just the result. So in the case of the Milan game, you know, we would think, oh, okay, we won 3-1 that game. Everything is fantastic. Everything is dandy. Everything uh, was fantastic. Everything was, it was dandy. Sort of-ish for a while. <laughs> <laughs> sort of-ish temporarily, kind of. For a couple <laughs> hours. Yeah, and then uh, crashing down to earth. So, you know, I try to I try to avoid that. And, I mean, my, my qualms after that game were just that I thought we were – not in control for large parts of the game, despite the fact that Milan had essentially no midfield and just, you know, I mean, half their team missing. And then I was even more annoyed after the Sassuolo game. That really was like, obviously we're going to talk mostly about intergame, but just a quick reference to the Sassuolo game. The thing that annoyed me, annoyed me about that game was that, you know, obviously they were with 10 men and even with 10 men, they outpassed us for, for like a good, I mean, you know, 20, 30 minutes. I was like, I mean, it's one thing to outpass, which obviously is testament to the fact that it's, it's Sassuolo is a fantastic team. And, you know, I think the, the Cerebi, I think was his name, deserves, I mean, absolute credit for just a fantastic team, you know. But, I mean, that cannot happen. I mean, you cannot, against 10 men, if you're being outpassed against 10 men, there's something really, really wrong and really right the other team. So anyway, that's with the Sassuolo game very quickly. But uh, yeah, with the Inter game, actually there are commonalities. Actually, now that I look at it, that's a good segue into the Inter game because obviously the big topic we will seemingly perpetually talk about is the midfield. You know, I mean, it's... That, 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 uh, that thing that just hangs over Juventus like no other. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's, it is strange. I mean, it's, you know, I was thinking about that today, late yesterday and then today for a bit. I was thinking like, wow, I, I think I just took it for granted how once upon a time we had arguably the best midfield in Europe, you know, with, uh, you know, Marquisio, uh, the MVP P midfield of, you know, Marquisio, uh, Pidal, Pirlo and Pogba. And I think I just took it as like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, we have the best midfield, you know, so what, you know. And then now I realize like, oh, wow, that was really, really special, actually. Like, I, I just took it for granted. And, you know, hereby I apologize to whoever. I mean, I don't know, to whoever, somewhere, somewhere. But, and honestly, I think a lot of us took it for granted because it was, it just seemed normal at the time to have that extraordinary quality in midfield. And now that we don't have it, it just, you realize how important that was. A, how important that midfield was, but then B, just, and I, I knew this already, but it's just resonating now, really, how important a midfield period is to a team. It, it really is. I mean, you know, some would argue that the best teams are built on defense, which, I mean, largely I agree with. But I think, uh, I think you could even argue that maybe more important than a solid defense is a truly, truly, truly world-class midfield. And frankly, I mean, we're seeing the effects of, of that issue for the last, I mean, two seasons, really, including this one. So, you know, this season now and then last season. And you could argue part of the season before that, but I'll argue mostly with Sari rambling on a little bit here. But one last thing I'll say is that I think that really the main the main, the main kind of paradox with our midfield is personally, I think in terms of quality, we have a really, really good midfield. I mean, man for man, I think, you know, it, talent wise, it's really good, but for some reason they're just all out of form, except for McKenny really, who, you know, had that slight injury uh, niggle and, you know, just wasn't hundred yeah, percent fit, I guess, but they're just none of them are in form. And it's just the strangest thing. And I'd have either out of form or just, seemingly not realizing their potential like Bentancur, which is also just a conundrum but like i said i'm rambling on a little bit but i'll obviously let others take the floor now i'm gonna disagree with you chucks in one respect in that i think that the problem goes back longer than you say it does frankly i think it goes all the way back to when arturo vidal got sold to Bayern, which is really ironic given the fact that he scored a textbook one of the textbook goals that he would have scored that he scored for Conte to open the scoring yesterday. Um, it, it was just so fitting that he scored. I mean, it was the X effect to the nth degree. Yeah. And, and props to him for not celebrating. At least there's class there. But the thing is that he's Vidal was never adequately replaced to begin with. And ever since that moment, you know, the, the midfield has just been on a slow backslide and it was covered up by results for a while going to the two, you know, obviously the unit was still together that uh, the first time we went to the final, the second time we went to the final, it was covered up really by brilliance that that four, two, three, one was that one year, but it, it's really just, it, it's, it's been a slow, slow decline that has only really been thrown into stark relief. Now that Juventus has, is starting to try to play a more, quote, modern, unquote, more aesthetically pleasing offensive style of football when you have, you know, when you don't necessarily have the right mix of midfielders to do it with. 
you know, I do agree with you. I think that man for man, everybody in that midfield is very, very talented. I've said this before. It What we don't have is that guy who can make those passes, a kind of like Manuel Locatelli kind of a guy is is my main thing. I've I've said his name ad nauseum, and I'm, if if Fabio Paratici doesn't back up a Brinks truck to Sassuolo next, uh, over the summer to get him, I'm going to be upset. But s- somebody on a Facebook group that I'm on said this, because, and I think it's true because I think it goes to why this hasn't been fixed yet, which is this is what starts happening when you act like a brand and not a football club. When you start shoveling ungodly amounts of money at one dude for the exposure, it's boggling how, you know, we keep on getting decent players. Aaron Ramsey accepted. Aaron Ramsey can go far, far away. I don't ever want to see him starting a big game again, you know, and, and, but the club just has not had the ability or willingness either. They haven't had the ability to make moves that will really fix this midfield or they have just not recognized the process, you know, the, the need for it. And here we are getting not just beat, but run off the field by an inter team that is coached by Antonio Conte put together by Beppe Morota, which is probably an even bigger thing and was led by Arturo Vidal. And by the way, Nicola Barella, there's another one. Letting Nicola Barella get out to to enter instead of going hard in on him when he was still at Cagliari, which we were linked to him pretty hard until he went to Inter. I'm just it, it it really does, I think, show the the real deficiencies in the office. And I'm really not with Fabio Paratici. Fabio Paratici is not on my good side right now. <laughs> and I know that that's a complete and utter tragedy for him. <laughs> You know, the guy on the internet doesn't like him. The, the, this game, I think, more than anything, more than what happened on the field from the players, more than what Pirlo's decisions, although those were, there were some suspect decisions that Pirlo made, especially in-game. Th- this game was on the front office more than anybody else. Yeah, I, you know, obviously, I'm, it's tough. It's tough because, you know, losing a way to enter, you never want that just in general in a vacuum. But it's not, it really shouldn't be the death knell of a season. It really shouldn't, especially when you're, we're not even halfway into the season, you know, by, by number of games played. But, but it, it definitely feels like it. And it feels like it just because, as we mentioned before, they just, they just lost any sort of wiggle room to have this type of results. And with Milan winning earlier today, that it really does feel, it really did feel like kind of like the end of a, I don't want to say an era, but it really did feel like the the Scudetto chances, the you know the tenth straight chances are now significantly lower. And obviously, like Sam said, it sucks that it had to come against Inter and, and Antonio Conte and all of that with Arturo Vidal scoring the, the go-ahead goal and what would ultimately end up being the game deciding goal. Really, so that obviously sucks. But what really bothered me the most, and it wasn't even. This was the first time that I I truly saw Andrea Pirlo like, like oh he's a rookie coach like he legitimately he got outcoached he got outclassed by a guy who obviously has a ton more experience than he did but it it was bad it was bad because 
in a vacuum, I don't hate his approach of, you know, a high defensive line, a lot of possession, a lot of that. But to try and do that with Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Chiellini as your two center backs is, is suicidal. And this is not that those two guys cannot be good, but putting them in that high press line is, is, is suicidal. I mean, you just can't do that. They're not, that's not their game anymore. They're old veteran dudes. Like they cannot be tracking back to stop counterattacks all the time. Like that's not going to work. And, and Plus, like, when, when like, have they ever, uh, when have they ever even played in a high line, right? Like Bonucci and Chiellini. Yeah, I mean, I even at ever... their best, that was not, even at their best, that was not their game. And you're trying to put them in this situation. It's like, it feels a lot like a Mauricio Sarri, you know, redox, like a deja vu. Like, look, I know this is how you want to play, but at some point you do have to adapt and say, this is not working. And this is when we come back to that midfield, right? Like, I, I made the analogy and, and on the latest grab bag, like these are not that players, but you just don't have an ace, right? To borrow a term from, from baseball, you don't have an ace. You don't have that one dude who's going to be able to orchestrate that midfield and who's going to be able to put order in that midfield. Because I do believe that, that the Rabiot signing, Bentancourt, I think they're good players. And I think that when put in a position to succeed, they can be part of a successful midfield for Juventus. They're not bad players. But, but if you don't have that one guy who can really bring them to another level, they're, they're just not good enough on their own to kind of like sustain that midfield and to sustain that mode of play. And, and we've seen it time and time again. They're not, at that point, Bentancur is a bit younger, but I just don't think they're the type of players that are going to be able to hold the ball and distribute and do what you need out of a midfielder that plays that high line and that plays that possession style of play. So, so it is part of on the, on the front office, but it's also, I think, just the fact that they since Allegri left and even in the last few years of the Allegri era, there's just not an identity. And, and when they do have an identity, they just don't have the guys to play that identity. It's just, it, it was tough. It was tough. And, you know, it's, it sucks to say, but I think that might have been the leak because AC Milan, they're, they're playing great. Like they, they're good. They're not going to drop 10 points any any moment and Juventus I don't think they're gonna win you know four straight any moment either so it's hard to say but I think that's that's probably it right okay round two name something that's not boring laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that was going to be my next thing is like, obviously, we hope Juventus finds consistency. I mean, we've been saying it on the podcast for months. This is the thing that will 
allow them to get back into the race after dropping so many points early. But we're one game away from the official midway point in the season. And the same stuff that was happening in September is happening now the middle of January. So unless it clicks all of a sudden and the Super Copa or whatever, this is kind of who they are at this point. So are we saying goodbye to the Scudetto for the, for the first time in, in a decade, basically? I mean, logically, you have to assume it is very unlikely at this point. As a fan, you're going to keep on hoping for the miracle and keep on saying that weirder things have happened in, in football and in sports, and they and- have. And especially in a season like this, where it's just so yeah, that's I mean, the can, that's the you other can just thing. throw logic out the door. But at the same time, Milan is the most consistent team in the league. And I mean, outside of Zlatan being Zlatan, I don't know how many people really predicted Milan to be not only this consistent, but this able to sustain what they've done in the first few months, knowing that they've been without Zlatan for so many weeks, and now Ebert's back and and scoring multiple goals to, to help them win again. Yeah, that's true. And it, and it, it also is indicative, I think of the fact, you know, when I was watching on the ESPN feed, Mark Donaldson and, and Matteo Bonetti said this as well. This season is also indicative of the fact that the rest of Italy kind of really has caught up and a major factor that we haven't seen before. So, I mean, am I glad that we're going to have to fight for stuff again? Yeah, actually, because, you know, in the long run, that'll probably help us in other competitions. But yeah, I mean, this this is going to be, you know, it's going to be weird next year looking at the uniforms and looking at the jerseys and seeing a little something that we're really used to being there that probably won't be there again. But yeah, from a lot like, you know, from logically, unless something really weird happens, something really clicks in and everybody else just face plants. It's we're probably done. To be fair, um, I I think I'm on record as saying that I did not expect us to win the Scudetto anyway uh, this season. So. You are. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sh- give me the money. Chuck, me the Chuck money. was right. <laughs> Again. Of course I'm right. Oh, I'm always right. Wise guy is always right. But no, I mean, obviously I gain no joy or satisfaction in potentially being right with that because you know still anything is possible i think i I really like what sam said about um this is what happens when you i'm gonna mess up your quote a little bit this is what happens when you act more like a brand rather than a football club i thought that i mean that's spot on i think that's because you know it, it makes me think of the fact that i think a real like crucial turning point turning slash breaking point in and just kind of where we are now was, yeah, I mean, indeed, when we chose to act more like a brand by buying Ronaldo rather than a football club in the sense that to buy, to, to fix what we needed to fix, which was the midfield at the time. Um, that, I mean, I, looking back on that now, and obviously that's going to trigger a lot of discussion on, on in the comment section, which, you know... <laughs> I mean, let, 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 let us have it. I will but, drink uh, the tears of the stands. <laughs> Thanks, Chucks. Ready, set, go. 
to give us some moderating uh, duties to do. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that was clearly, which, you know, we're preaching the choir, obviously, but I think just looking at it now from that perspective of, you know, once we decided to act more like, yeah, boosting a brand rather than frankly, treating the football club as a club, which in that sense would have been to, uh, yeah, fix the midfield, which we sort of ish now kind of not really done. But um, I think, yeah, you know, I think we're at a, just going back to like this season right now, I think we're kind of at a pretty crucial fork in the road right now in the sense that, yeah, Sergio, you, you said it, um, where Pirlo is still obviously persisting with the high line, the intense style of play. And yeah, I think we're at a point now where it's like, okay, are we going to decide to continue with that style of play and just say, okay, you know what, we're sort of accepting that we're not going to win much this season. So at least just try and instill your ideas into the team and like just stick with with that and just stick with an identity. Or are we going to say, well, just just go back to being pra pragmatic, like ditch your style of play, just be pragmatic. And I mean, it's a real question. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I I wonder what Pirlo is going to do. I I mean, I imagine he's probably going to stick to his style of play. Um, that's just my guess, but I think that's just, you know, now that we're at this point where it does seem to be that we're going to be fighting more for top four than for the Scudetto, are we going to just persist with that, just that style of play or go back to pragmatism? Because I think the argument for sticking with one style of play is, is I remember people said this last year as well, or people say it in general, where it's like, you know, okay, I don't care if we lose, but well, of course we care if we lose, but um, I don't care if we lose, but at least stick with one style of play so that there's some clarity and like at least give your style of play one full season of going 100% for it rather than like half kind of half as it and like kind of try to do your style of play and then be like, okay, no, for this match, I'm going to try this, you know, stick with one thing that so at least there's some clarity. Um, I mean, I see the argument in that, but frankly, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's the best thing to do. Yeah, it, <laughs> I wish I knew, but I truly, I, I have no idea. Yeah, going back to, to the question, is, is, is it done? I think it's done. I think it's done. I think they're not going to win the league this year. I think uh, 10 points is, too, is just too much. Not even, you know, obviously because Juventus is not playing well, but because AC Milan, I think it's, it's just a really good team. They're playing really well. They're being consistent. They're, they're just, they have an identity. They know how to play. I, they actually bring back a lot of memories of, of that very first Juventus team that that started this streak, right? Like it, they were not the favorites, player by player. They probably did not have the most talented team, but they just they knew how to play. They knew their style, and 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 they were getting results. And and I think this is what that Milan team is. I think they are a really good team, and I just don't see Juventus right now suddenly going on a streak and winning twelve straight, right? And and hoping that Milan drops points. I think. At this point, it's probably, yeah, it's probably, it's probably done. I think it's a done deal. But I do, I do want to agree. I, I do want to disagree with you guys a little bit on, on the sense that, you know, that this whole thing traces back to, to the Ronaldo signing and, and the brand thing. And look, I, I'm no fan of, of Ronaldo. I'm as far away from a stand as possible. But, but I, do, I don't think it really is that. And I do think that, Chucks, you said it yourself. I think we are falling a little bit in that, you know, 
the results-based bias pretty much because it's not like they, they didn't bring in guys. They did bring in Rabiot. They did bring in Ramsey. They, they did bring in players. They, they did bring Arthur in. And, and at this time last season, we were saying, oh, Pjanic is, is done. He's cooked. Bentancur is better. We have to go with Bentancur. And, and they, they did make those moves and they just didn't pan out. I, I don't think they really stopped trying. I just think, you know, they didn't pan out. Rabiot hasn't been, he's been good, but he hasn't been great. Bentancur hasn't really taken that extra step that we wanted him to take. You know, Arthur has been uh, disappointing, I, I would say. But and then Ramsey, Ramsey, I mean, he's been disappointing as well. But it's, I don't think it's that they haven't tried. It's just that this time, for whatever reason, the bounces didn't go their way. And I think it's just going to be one of those things that I think they will have to keep, you know, taking swings until they actually land on on someone who can actually kind of transform that that whole midfield conundrum. It might be like Locatelli, it might be our, as the comment section loves to point out all the time. We'll see, I guess, in the offseason. But I, I don't think it's due to a lack of trying. I think it's just more, they just were not, you know, the, the ball didn't bounce or what would say. I wouldn't say that it was because of a lack of trying. I think that the way that their priorities have started aligning have caused them to start making the wrong moves or have financially restricted the club into making moves that into settling for players that they might not otherwise have gone for, or, you know, before Cristiano Ronaldo was on the club was 40 million for Awar from Lyon really that big of a deal. And I mean, yes, there's also the COVID part of this summer that also had a huge impact on that trend on whether or not that transfer was made. But like, would that have even been a question before we started paying him that as, as much money as the club is paying him? I just think that I, I think that, the, and you know, like I said, I think the current on-field struggles go far, far f- further back than that with the mid, the, the decline in the midfields starting from Vidal on. But yeah, I just, I, I, I think that it's, it's, it's a question of the, they're making the wrong choices as opposed to, to not trying. I, I think, again, I, I just don't, I don't agree that they were the wrong choices at the moment. I, even if you go back to how they, how they kind of formed that, you know, the, the legendary midfield that we're all so familiar with, you look at how they assembled that midfield. That was, you know, they brought in Paul Pogba on a free. They brought in Arturo Vidal for not a lot of money. They brought in Andrea Pirlo when the when Milan actually gave him away because they didn't think he was all that at that point in his career. I, I'm not gonna say they were that was just luck that they ended up panning out. I, I think that there was a lot of you know scouting and, and things like that. And they panned out and they were legendary midfield. I, I think that has always been their their MO. I mean. I think in a vacuum at the time, signing Rabiot, that was exactly the type of signing they do. And he had the pedigree of a great player. He was young. He was exactly the type of move they had to make, and they made it. They banked a lot of the, in the development of Rodrigo Bentancur, which we haven't seen, really. Uh, they banked on Arthur somehow. You know, he was still a young guy. They banked on him, you know, kind of adapting more to the Andrea Pirlo style. In a vacuum. That was, about, that was time, a balance sheet move. More than a more than a field. Yeah, that was a, a 
book cooking move too as well. I, I do agree. But I think at the time, I don't think they were bad moves. I think right now when we look at it, it's like, yeah, those guys can't cut it. They're not good enough. But I do think that it, it's always, I think it's easier to just blame and say they're bad moves when they didn't pan out. But I think the logic was sound. I, I think they were good moves at the time. Right now, obviously, where we stand, yeah, they do have to make moves. They do have to sell guys. They do have to do whatever they need to do to bring this midfield to a level where it needs to be. But I do believe that at the time, I don't think they were the wrong moves. I think the logic was there. And that, that's why I'm, I'm a little bit more, you know, I, I want to give them a little bit more leeway, I would say, a little bit more slack. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, things don't pan out. And then, you know, you just find out after the fact, like, and this inner game, especially, and I mentioned it in my post-game thread, it really kind of magnified how much Inter has sculpted their midfield into kind of like an MVP light, where Juve's midfield, it just has so many guys who don't complement each other. You know, they're they're very much like for likes. I mean, Weston McKinney is, it seems like he's kind of the most kind of I don't know if I'm trying to think of a word and I'm blanking out on it, but he's kind of the most Swiss army like kind of midfielder because he's got so many different attributes. Whereas, you know, Arthur, he's able to keep the ball really well, but he doesn't pass it forward. You know, Rabio and Bentoncourt, and albeit, you know, Rabio has kind of cooled off from the, the summer run of form he's had. And obviously Bentoncourt has had a very disappointing season to date, but they're the same kind of player. Ramsey is what he is. I mean, he, you know, he, he has a, a good game. It seems like once every month or so, and that's about it, but there's just not kind of the, the compliment of Vidal and Barella and Brozovic and, and all that kind of stuff where you, you, you see that they, they fit together. Whereas Juve's is just kind of the same kind of guys. And it's just like, here, try and make it work. So it, it's on the front office. Sure. But it's also kind of on, on Pirlo a little bit to be like, okay, this is what I have. I need to, you know, I, I need to form my midfield to what I, what I do have. And I think Bentecor is the biggest thing because we thought he would take that next step and he'd, he'd maybe not necessarily be a, a Pirlo like deep lying midfielder, but he had that in him a little bit, but because he's struggled so much, it seemed like so much was kind of centered around his success. And then, you know, Arthur is what he is at this point. And it's just, you know, Bentecourt really struggling, I feel like, has, has, has prevented this midfield from, from really kind of making a, a, a big step of improvement. And, you know, we're, we're here where we are again and, you know, over the summer of going, what do we do with this midfield? And it's just, I don't know. It's an, it's an audio medium, I know, and I just keep throwing my hand up in the air because I don't know where to go at this point. Sorry, I was still laughing at what Danny said. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, 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 it, hey, it's one of those games where I mean, we 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 said you know after the Fiorentina game it was going to be a therapy session, but this might be more of a therapy session because it's like yeah. like Sergio was saying, it's, it kind of feels like everything's done, and it's like okay, no more Scudetto. Maybe we should just finish, you know, concentrate now on top four. But damn it, I want another title. <laughs> don't we all don't we all no i wanted to go off some something you said and then something i mentioned very early in the epi- episode which is that you know man for man talent wise we do objectively have a very good midfield 
but the fact that they're not, and then, you know, that comment you made about in, contrasting Inter's midfield with ours, for instance, I think it's a very accurate one because, you know, okay, our talent is great, but then it's just not working. Like something's just not working out. In contrast, you have Inter's midfield, which man for man might be a little less, not quite as good, or I don't know, equal, not anyway, not light years ahead of ours in, in essence, but it, it works. It fits. It, it, it it's functioning, it's perfectly complementing each other, which to me says, as you said, that it's, that is a coaching responsibility. Uh, you know, the, the responsibility of the coach is to maximize the resources that he has at his disposal. And in this, in a sense, that means just, you know, setting, this is, I haven't quoted him in a while, but Tim Vickery, uh, as he he's always, back, drink, drink, he's drank, baby. Oh, they like that one. <laughs> back with a bang, guys. It's been weeks. Oh, it has. Yeah, you know, just uh, just when you thought I was out, you know, pull me back in. Thank you, Mr. Corleone. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's actually becoming more quoted than uh, Tim Vickery now. Funny, um, but you know, as Vickery uh, once said, you know, uh, the. Or he said something along the lines of the responsibilities of the manager is to set the collective context such that the individual can shine. Like the individual can only shine if the collective context is right. And yeah, I mean, in, in this sense with the midfield, talented individuals, but the collective context is not right. That's why it's just, it's just not working. Like they're just not in form. The one exception I think is indeed Ramsey because he's, I don't know, I feel like Ramsey's had the longest period of time to, I don't know, to show that he's worthy. And yeah, uh, Ramsey's probably one guy I'm also running short of, sh running short of patience with. Um, so, you know, sorry, Aaron. But yeah, so, I mean, that's clearly kind of a problem that if the collective context is not right, like, what you know, why is it, why are things just not fitting? Why are things just not working out? But then on someone like Artur, he's probably the one I, so Ramsey, I give the least patience with, but Artur, I probably have the most patience with because, I mean, obviously he's been here at least period of time. And I don't know, I just feel like he's, he just needs like five, five, six games of like 90 minutes, like back to back of just really, you know, because he's had a game and then he's had, you know, not a, like then he's on the bench, then he's plays 20 minutes, then he plays 90, then he kind of plays 20. And, you know, it's just that obviously he's had injury as well, but. And he just needs the Barca hammered out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that's uh, that's not just a style of play; that's a style of life. I, I think, you know, that's, <laughs> which I, I, I mean, I sympathize. It's funny, actually, kind of off topic, but it reminds me of something that uh, Alexis Sanchez once said uh, when he went to Barca, and then after he left, he said, like, you know, going to Barca was like relearning football for me. So, you know, I guess that that leaving Barca must be kind of the reverse as well. So, I don't know. It's it's. Anyway, just going back to the midfield issue, it's just a consistent conundrum. And there's clearly something wrong with the tactical setup if, if, yeah, people are just not, if it's just not working like this way. I mean, you know, talent-wise, it, it has to work. But for some reason, it's just not. So I don't know. I'm going to step up for Pirlo here because it's entirely possible that what he's done has maximized this group in terms of how they go together and what they... And what they have, I mean, you know, a chef can only, a chef is only as good as his ingredients. If you're making sweet and sour pork, it's going to be better if you have decent pork products than if you're like trying to throw spam into your pan. And like, sometimes that's what it feels like with this 
with this group of midfielders. I think, you know, you know, not miss, you know, missing McKenney was huge, was huge from the start because I think he has qualities on the, uh, in the midfield that free up the other players to do other things. So not, you know, not having him is, was a big deal. And I also think that because of that lack of creativity in the midfield, not having Paulo Dybala was huge because, the creativity has to come from somewhere. And it, the only, and Dybala is really the only guy on the, on the team that can do something like that without anybody that can do it in the midfield. But I digress. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent there, but I think that I, 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 I don't necessarily think that coaching can solve this because like Danny said, these guys don't, these guys are all are too similar to each other. There isn't a lot of complementary pieces in the midfield. And I, I don't know what tactical answers you can come up with to fix that. Sorry. Can I add something very quickly before we, I know we're about to go to Twitter questions. I think as you were, <laughs> I think it's going to respond to what Sam said. I think it, it, this reminds me of something uh, that I wrote about in my book, which is that, you know, there, I think there are two choices that a manager can make. You can do a systems, a systems approach or a player, a systems first approach or a player's first approach. I mean, they're pretty, you know, self-explanatory, but basically a player's first system or player's first approach is that you say, okay, I want the best individuals on the pitch at the same time and then figure it out, guys. You know, just chug them all on at the same time, figure it out. You know, you just want the best on the pitch. Whereas, you know, systems first approach is like choose a system and then get the players that best fit that system. And I just wonder what, well, what A, I mean, Birlo is prioritizing or what he wants to do and B, going into the future. I mean, what, I mean, what is, could a potential solution be, you know, maybe just, I don't know, going for a certain system that, I don't know, maximizes the resource available. I don't know, but it, it just made me think of that. Like, okay, is it, is it a player's first approach or a system's first approach? I just don't, I'm, just not, I'm not entirely sure, but I think there is something in there of that choice to make as a coach, which might be some solution to the problem. All right. Time for some Twitter questions here. And I'm going to preface this by saying we got a lot of responses this week, which thank you. I guess we, you know, people were, you know, decent enough to put aside their grumpiness for a minute or two and, and send us something. It felt like about 95% of the Twitter questions were about the midfield, so <laughs> obviously we just spent half an hour talking about the midfield. So, you know, how convenient, <laughs> how convenient. So uh, anyway, shout out to everybody who sent us a question that involved Juventus's midfield. And basically it was, what do they need to do to fix the midfield? Our first Twitter, Twitter question here from at Eugene high, which is a great Twitter handle. Let's assume Juventus won't win anything valuable this year, meaning the Scudetto or the champions league. Should Andrea Pirlo be given some credit to continue his project or should he leave? Sergio Romero, what say you? I'm offended that, that, that this guy doesn't consider the Supercopa like a huge deal, but whatever. <laughs> the Copa, <laughs> Copa Italia. Touche. Spal in the quarterfinals. prerogative, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's we actually didn't talk about the Copa Italia. Yeah, we're in the quarters now against Spal. I mean, they should make the semis. So you know, I mean, who's to say that the Copa Italia is not the most important tournament in Italy? But you know, I think 
I think at this point, and it kind of ties back to to the conversation that we've been having about are these guys good? Are they not good? Like, do they fit together? Do they not? I think you have to, you have to give Andrea Pirlo at least another year, if not two years or something, just because if, if you fire him again, then we're right back into the same place where we were after Mauricio Sarri. And we're right back into the same place of like, who's going to come in? Who's going to take this team and actually, you know, make them play up to their abilities and whatnot. And then you're going to have, again, another team that was built for another manager. Another manager is going to come in and have to kind of make the best of it. And we're going to be sitting right here in a year's time saying, well, he just doesn't have the guys to make his system work and whatnot. And, and I think at this point, they can't do that again. They just, they're going to have to write it out with Pirlo. Obviously, we've talked about whether, whether he was the, the first choice or, or not, or whether they did it for the money or whatever. At this point, I think you have, you have to commit to Pirlo for at least a couple seasons more and actually like let him develop, let him have the time he needs to implement the system. And if it doesn't work out, if, if just you see that it's not working out after a couple of years, then you move on, then you actually do the, the teardown that this team actually kind of probably needs at this point. But I, I think unless you're willing to move in a way, in, in, you know, in such a way in which you just tear it all down and, and just decide that you're not going to win anything or you're not going to compete for anything, which they won't because they still have Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, for, for another season or two. So I think you do have to write it out with Pirlo one season more so I, I think you definitely have to write out with Pirlo obviously they might not do it but you know in my opinion I think you have to because if not you're just going to be in this continuing threat mill of of managers which then giving them no time to actually see if they pan out or not you know a lot of the success that we were talking about with Inter is that Conte this is his second year and he's finally kind of doing like Danny said like some sort of MVP light type of system and everything you have to give these guys continuity if not it's, it's just not going to work and funny enough yet still they might still not win anything because frauds <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i shouldn't say that um well, well that that brings up another point if if they don't win anything but finish ahead of juventus sergio are they still frauds Yes, they're still fucked. They're, they're <laughs> that pause was very good. <laughs> that pause they're will not be edited. Until, they're frauds until they win a trophy, any trophy. You know, for them, the Super Copa would actually be a, ma- a major trophy at this point. I made the, I made the math. It's been almost ten years since they've won anything, like anything at all. So yes, like unless they win something, they're still frauds. Good game, though. Good game. They played great on Sunday. Good game. Props to them. Yeah, GGWP, as we would say in the gaming world. But uh, to, to answer your question, uh, or to answer the que- uh, Twitter question, Danny, I think a big indication of, or a big hint of if management is going to stick with Beerlo or not for the rest of the season actually comes back to something I was saying earlier about Beerlo's going forward. What is Beerlo going to do in terms of playing style, go, go towards pragmatism or stick to his, you know, high intensity, high line possession based football. So I think if, if he continues to stick with his style of play, I think it's a pretty good sign that management wants to just stick with him, frankly, 
But I think if he switches to like pragmatic style play, I think that will indicate that he just wants to get results. And I think that would probably indicate that management has, you know, had a word with him and said, okay, look, we need at least Coppa Italia or Scudetto or whatever the minimum threshold is. So who knows? I mean, but something that uh, Sergio said that I thought was very um, astute, which was that, you know, if we fire him after one season or even after two seasons, we're back at square one, you know, I mean, we're back at indeed, as you said, a team that isn't built for the next manager. And then, you know, we'll be talking about, okay, we just need to give him a season. It's another rebuilding year. It's like how uh, Milan was in like, I don't know, five years of rebuilding years, uh, uh, you know, five repeats, like a groundhog day of, re- oh, yeah. of rebuilding years. You know, So that, I mean, that's, I don't know. We, we clearly don't want that time is money. So I agree that that would be, kind of an issue. But uh, the last thing I will say um, is that I think another kind of crucial inflection point for Juventus for the club now is just the future of the style of play slash identity we want to have uh, as a club. Because I think during the Allegri era, era, we basically had just this very kind of an Atletico de Madrid style of play, which is, you know, sit back, soak up pressure and, you know, hit him with a goal or two here and there, scrappy goal here here and there, and keep that clean sheet. That, I feel like that was really just the identity. That was Juventus. And now it seems to me that we want to almost move towards this modern style of play, you know, this like, yeah, which people keep saying that, you know, modern style of play. I don't know. I always find it kind of an odd, odd way to characterize it. Uh, what's an old style of play? I mean, really, <laughs> I mean, I really don't, but that's another, that's the question for another podcast one day, but yeah, I don't know. It, does Juventus want to move into the future and have that, you know, style of play that, you know, very sexy attacking style of play. If we do, then maybe Pirlo continuing to play the way he wants to play. Maybe that's in our long-term benefit, but I don't know. I think it just depends on what do we want in a long-term. Do we want to move forward to, into that or go back to kind of, Allegri style of play. And I think also it's it's really telling Milan are doing this after not dumping Stefano Pioli the way everyone was expecting them to at the end of the year. And they probably still would have if he hadn't gone flying out of the restart last year and Ralph Ragnick got got snooty about it and was like, well, I'm not going to be the conquer the 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 savior hero, so I'm not going to go to Milan. And so they kept him on and now that he's doing this. Yeah. Um, no, that that's the wild thing about it is that Pioli was just looked at as the stopgap guy, not the yeah. guy to build into the future. And what you were saying, Chuck's about Milan, I mean, when when I was covering Milan when I wrote for Bleacher Report, that was the thing. Like, you know, I know a lot of Milan fans who remember you know, when they sacked Seydorf out of nowhere to and put people in Zaki in, and then Zaki only last one year, and then it was Mihailovic, and Mihailovic, you know, was was sacked after a year. That just it, it it's just too much. It, it, there's you can't grow something, and this is a we're in a phase right now where we have to grow the team again. And there's you're not going to do that unless you know unless something like. The, the only place where I would be really okay with it is if, you know, we ended the season really poorly and somebody like Didier Deschamps did end up like a an option coming out of the Euros. Like maybe I'd be okay with it then. 
But other than that, I, I agree totally with Sergio in that I, I think we've just got to stick with this and make it, make it a real project instead of, of wanting what, what we, we, we talked, we said the same thing about Saudi before he was fired about, about how we needed to, about their, how there needed to be an actual project instead of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if it stuck. We'll wrap things up on this Twitter question from at Max Juventinos. Because of Pirlo's inexperience and the team's transition year this season, we need to be patient and more tolerable. I asked, where do we draw the line, though? Was he, was he inner game the bottom, or do we add this expected F-ups and move on? I take that one first, actually, because it's it's funny. I wanted to make this comment on the last question, but I thought I I know I didn't get my thoughts together quick enough to <laughs> to quite answer it, that. It, it's um, okay. It's been one of the kind of those weekends, Chucks, where who the hell can really expect thoughts to be completely <laughs> thrown together into something cohesive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always want to make sure I have like a coherent thought before I say something. Because <laughs> so, you know, uh, mother always said, "Think before you speak." Um, well, thank, but, well, thank, in in that sense, thank you, Mother Chucks. Oh, yes, yes, she's, uh, I think she's proud. I don't know. <laughs> That's another question for another day. <laughs> this week in family issues. <laughs> no, she's fine. She's fine. Um, but no, I think, and I think it's a really good question because it, it makes me, it makes me think of one of the very first concepts I learned in economics, which is something called the sunk, sunk cost fallacy, which is uh, basically, you know, oh, I've put in so much time into this. Well, I have to keep going with it because I've, you know, stuck with it for so long. Or, oh, I've spent so much money on this. Well, I have to do this or that now that I've done that. And, you know, likewise with Beerlo, it's like, okay, give him a chance. Obviously give him the entire season and, you know, give him a good shot. But at what point does it become we're giving him a chance only because, well, we've stuck with him for... I don't know, a season now, so we got to keep going. Or like, well, we started, we put so much into this project now, so we got to keep going with it. The best way uh, this, to describe the sunk cost fallacy, which I always liked this very simple way of it, is um, throwing throwing good money after bad money. So, you know, at what point does it become throwing good money after bad money? And I mean, I don't think we're at that point yet, but definitely at least a season to get fear low. But yeah, after the season and a half, two seasons, at what point does it become... Uh, yeah, throwing good money after bad money. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's that that's definitely a reality. I just don't think, I, I don't think, th- unless there is a really extreme case, like the idea that Saudi had, you know, lost very much lost the locker room, which really seems to be the case. I, I don't think you can, I don't think that sort of thing comes into play in any sports, for in any sport, until you've had until a coach has had multiple seasons to try it certainly isn't a question of of now and probably isn't and you know maybe at this time next year you can start thinking if that comes into of that coming into play if it's not if if things have if you know the right players haven't come in and things really haven't improved to a point where you can say this has this does have true potential going forward but right right now i don't think that you can really bring that into the, that into play yet yeah i i think honestly unless something really catastrophic happens i i, I wish i hope 
that this is as bad as it gets with Pirlo and in the sense that you know they're not really going to compete for the league. You know, we'll see how they do in the Copa, we'll see how they do in the Champions League. But but I, I would hope that this is as bad as it's gonna get, you know. You would hope that. But I do think that if it's another year of not challenging for anything, I, I do think at that point you can safely move on. But at this point, I wouldn't even start to think about about removing him. I think, unless I mean, and I'm not even sure, Dan, but unless they fail to qualify for Champions League next next year, then that that becomes a thing in and of itself, right? But uh, unless that happens, I would I would just you know accept this as a rebuilding year and just move on. I would say. It's also, I think that we're gonna see a lot. I, we're going to see a lot in the next couple of weeks in terms of what does Pirlo learn from this? This is one of the first really true learning experiences that Pirlo is going to have as a coach. And I'm, it, it's going to, it's going to say a lot uh, when it, when we look at what, what he's, you know, how he's going to follow this up. Hopefully it's followed up by something that is nothing close to what we saw this past weekend so as i said 95 percent of our twitter questions were about juventus's midfield we obviously spent a whole lot of time on juventus's midfield so thank you all for your twitter questions whether they were about juventus's midfield or not and now i will try not to say juventus's midfield for the rest of this episode so as always you can send your twitter questions into at juventus nation on twitter you can follow us on there and on facebook at black and white and red all over you can listen to us on itunes and apple podcasts search black and white and red all over on spotify and on google podcasts search black and white and red all over on those two places as well as always you can check us out black and white and red all over.com you can join the as chuck said join the conversation in the comment section because obviously it's very positive these days <laughs> so for the aforementioned chucks for Sam and for Sergio. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. Stay safe out there and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>